Well, it's good to be with you today. As I was um, uh, preparing for a message this morning, I kept uh, thinking of a couple um, different uh, kids in my life. Uh, many of you know that um, I went to school to be a youth pastor. I was never supposed to be an old people pastor. That was not, that was not the cards. Not that you're old or anything, right? It just wasn't in my, uh, that wasn't in my dream or my, my vision there. Um, but God has some funny plans because I've never once been a youth pastor officially uh, in my life. And so, um, but I love, I love youth ministry. I think it's awesome. I love the youth group, that, that core group of kids. Um, there's usually, I can, I can like stereotypically um, name out what kid is what and what role they play. Um, but in every youth group, uh, if you've ever been a part of a youth group, there's always the kid that gets hurt every week right and that's why there's the rule of the youth group um their number one rule is you don't get concussions there are no concussions you can't do that but there's always a kid that gets hurt every week and and um uh, i've tried different methods of of kind of not having that kid get hurt every week and None of them have worked to date, and so I, I don't know, and I'll just keep trying to experiment and doing different things, and I, but I, I kept thinking back to this one kid that was in our youth group, um, Stephanie and I's youth group growing up, named Alan, and Alan was a, was a good kid. He was a young kid um, when I was in the youth group, and, and he came in, and he was full of life and full of joy, um, but he was a kid that always... Um, always got hurt. And so every year we would go to Colorado, Loveland, Colorado. We'd get in our church vans and we'd drive across the state of Kansas, which if you've ever done that, it's, yeah, it's lots of fun, right? Uh, we'd drive across the state and we'd um, gather our stuff and it was the annual ski trip. Right? You know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> and so uh, we'd go, and, and looking back, it was a crazy thing because um, we were dumb and dangerous, and we did lots of crazy stuff. But every trip that Alan went on, whether it was camp or mission trip or a retreat or whatever, Alan got hurt. And so we just waited and to see uh, how Alan would get hurt. And so um, we were on the second day of the, of the ski trip. I think I believe it was the first time that Alan had ever gone skiing before. Um, but that was the day that Alan was going to get hurt. And I remember <laughs> we were all at the bottom of the hill and, and Alan went on, a, uh, went on a, a, a trail that he shouldn't have gone on. And, uh, and we heard about it as we were at the bottom of the hill. Somebody came down and said, yo, Alan's up there and he's, and he's really hurt. But he was behind me and I couldn't hike up the hill. So I just came down to tell somebody. And so they, they tell somebody and all of a sudden we hear on one of the guy's little things that Alan's hurt. We need the snowmobile, right? Like it's a serious hurt, like something's wrong. And so uh, they get the snowmobile. We see him race up the mountain. Uh, and then like 20 minutes later, we're standing there waiting for Alan to come down the snowmobile. And here Alan comes on the little laid down cart on the back of the snowmobile, waving at everybody <laughs> as he comes down. Turned out Alan was okay, but he didn't tell the people that he was okay. He told them that he was hurt. And so uh, this morning, as we come to our passage today in Matthew chapter 6, I want us to have in our mind Alan, who's doing the Miss America wave to everybody down the thing, um, that this desire for each and every one of us to be seen is very real. Uh, we, will, we will do um, crazy things to be seen by others, um, if we feel that, that, that we are, um, in many different examples, that we are not loved, 
um, which Alan didn't have much of that at, at his home. Uh, we will do anything. We will do uh, many things to be seen. And so um, as we open up our Bibles today, as we continue to step in the series, The Good Life, we remember that uh, Pastor Stephanie opened us up as we um, started to talk about uh, what it means to live this good life, where we question this idea of what we have in our minds of what the good life is or what the good life would be. And we remember, I remember one thing that, that she said last week, maybe more, but today I only remember one thing, this critical question of what we love and what we desire, our feet will be set in that direction, right? Uh, she made a joke about Chick-fil-A, which is probably why, why I remember it, right? If I desire um, warm chicken sandwiches with a pickle, my feet are set in that direction, of Boise, right? Because uh, I, I, want, I want that. And, and so it's the same with us. What we love, what we desire, our feet will be set in, in, in that way. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Um, we're going to read uh, this, this, continuing the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but we're going to dig a little deeper and look at the motives of our lives and our hearts and how we act out these motives in, in very practical ways. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read 1 through 8, and then we're going to read 16 through 18. Um, the part that I'm skipping is the Lord's Prayer. Um, you probably know that, but that's like a whole 25 sermons in itself. And I just get too distracted, so I'm going to skip, skip it this morning. But you know that prayer. So uh, we're going to continue. Let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. It says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets and to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And when you fast, don't, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Last week, uh, we were in Nampa, Idaho for our um, district assembly. Uh, Pastor Valerie is from Nampa, so we thought, Pastor Val, hey, take us to a cool place to eat in Nampa. And so Pastor Valerie did take us to a cool place to eat, I, and I totally forgot to put the picture on there. Uh, but there was a taco place. Um, that was inside of an old like Greyhound bus. Is that how you describe it? So you walk into the bus and the kitchen thing was in the back and you sit on the sides and it was awesome. Like it was really, <clears throat> excuse me, authentic, like so authentic that <clears throat> while we were standing in line, 
I looked over and somebody was watching YouTube and they were watching chickens fight on the on their YouTube. It was awesome, right? It was good and it smelled awesome. And so we're standing in line and we get the to the, the front and everybody there, it's authentic, so they're little tacos, but I'm not little and so I don't like the little tacos. I've got to get the big burrito. And it was busy and that's what it said on the sign. Big burrito. I don't know if it said even what was in the big burrito. I just needed the big burrito. So I bought the big burrito. And I waited and we waited and I waited and we waited some more and I waited some more. And it was really busy and so I waited some more. And I get it and it was amazing, right? Like it was it was this amazing big burrito while they ate their foo-foo little tacos. I had this beautiful burrito. And the outside was amazing because it was freshly, the, the tortilla, I watched her smash the dough ball and then put the tortilla on the thing and make it right there in front of me. And so it was, it was awesome. And it was like soaked in meat juice, which is the best. And, and it looked amazing. <clears throat> but I learned that, that what was on the outside wasn't the same on the inside because what was inside wasn't cooked quite all the way. And for the next 15 hours, I experienced, right? So this idea of what's on the outside must match the inside is something that is spoken to over and over and over again on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is telling the people he's preaching to, he's talking with, that, that your outside must match your inside. And oh man, how I wish the burritos outside matched my inside. But Pastor Valley was trying to kill me again. And so... It just wasn't, but I survived. I'm a survivor, right? But there, there's this, this call again and again and again by Jesus to have this, this life that is, that, that is full of integrity, that our outsides match our insides. If you're taking notes, uh, this is a free one. Integrity of life is, is a part of the good life, right? Uh, integrity and wholeness of life is part of the good life. My outside must match my, my inside. My inside must match my, my outside. That's part of what it means to, to, to live the good life. But let's continue and see what, what Jesus says. Verse 1, Jesus gives us this driving principle of this whole section. He says this, Be careful... Take note, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, so right away, Jesus starts this section by addressing this huge temptation for us. And I say us because it's a temptation for all of us. But it's a temptation to, um, especially within the church, to try to impress others with our relationship with God. Right, like there, there are times in our lives, whether we're we're baby Christians or whether we've been in this a long time, we 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 try to 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 impress impress others with our relationship with God. We've all known someone who's fallen into this trap that we can see it, and we can't like we just can't not see it. Right, like they're just in deep. They're in that trap where everything has to point to their relationship with Jesus. Or right, how you doing, Bob? You look you look really tired. Oh man, I was up at 2.52 a.m. and I was reading my Bible and praying and fasting and knitting socks for the orphans in Zimbabwe. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that, that happens. I've heard that one before. Or Cindy Lou Who, what happened to your fingers? You've got a Band-Aid on everyone. Oh, Pastor, it's nothing. It's just the paper cuts from reading the whole New Testament in one day. Right? 
I exaggerate to get your attention. We're, we're not quite that way, but the, we, we are uh, ones that are tempted to, to impress others with our relationship with God. But uh, we can see it from a mile away. And yet we remember that we are still tempted in this way. Uh, we are tempted to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And we can do the right thing. We can serve God and worship God for the, for the wrong reasons, to improve our status. Or, or we can go to church to be seen as good and to impress others in our community. We can serve others so that we might be recognized as generous. And, and the list can go on and on and on. We even had uh, a situation where um, uh, a person that was trying to sell us something just like instantly became really spiritual when we, we, we let them know that we were pastors. And it was just really awkward, right? Like uh, talking of the thing uh, of spirituality to try to get the, get the sale. And that just doesn't work with pastors. And so it was interesting. But we are tempted to fall into this. Be careful, Jesus says, not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. We want to be seen. But let's be really clear here. Jesus isn't saying that all public acts of worship are wrong and you shouldn't do them. If that were the case, then you shouldn't be here this morning. It's not the case at all. You're in public worship right now. In fact, the last chapter, the same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in, in, in chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that you or they may see your good works and give glory to God the Father in heaven. So we read this passage today, and Jesus says not to practice our righteousness before others, but a couple of sentences earlier, he tells us to let our light shine before others. How come Jesus says one thing and then the other a few minutes later? <clears throat> the answer is simple. It's about our motive. It's about our desire. It's about where our feet are, are pointed. Our relationship with God must not be based on the desire to impress others, but the desire to give God glory in all things. Remember, where your feet are pointed towards and where you're headed, that will automatically show us what you desire. I don't know about you, but I find myself acting out my desires over and over again. I might not say, I desire for people to like me, but I'll act those out in, in, in certain ways, and I'll catch myself um, doing it. I might not say, I desire for people to see how good I am, but I see that in my actions at times. I, I might not vocalize it, I might not even be aware of it, but what I desire and what I love, my feet will be set to, to the action and to the direction of that work. There are times where we won't do what God has called us to do or do what's right because we are scared of what other people will think of us. We, there will be times where we won't let the light of Christ shine because it may hurt our reputation. Or there are times where we'll show off because we want others to think better about us. We all have these uh, temptations, but if my desire is to pursue God at all costs, if my love and my heart is set in that direction, then, then I'll see it through my actions, right? 
I'll, I'll, I'll see that through my everyday um, ordinary life. And, and not just like a, like a oh, you're, you're a saint and you do everything right, but I'll see it begin to, to show up. And if you're like me, it's taken a little time, right? It's taken some little yeses to lead to the bigger yeses. It's taken some, some, some little um, yeses to God and little paths that have, have brought me to places where I can continually say yes to God over and over again. My desires are being shaped as I give God more and more of my life. But I'll see it in my actions. I'll say yes to God's call. I'll say yes to the awkward conversation or situation, even if I don't want to at times. There's sometimes I don't say yes, and you don't either. But I'll say yes to, to giving my life away to love others, even when I, I want to do other things. If my, my heart and my directionality is focused towards Christ. We recognize that if my desire is, is pointed towards Christ, these things will be acted out. But also, if my desire is pointed towards personal gain, these things will be acted out. But the reality is, is that both of them have their reward, right? It doesn't say that one uh, you, will, you won't get anything from. It says both of them will have their reward. If we're motivated by the desire to impress others, then we might get it. It says that, that you might get some of that. that that's going to be your reward. But if you're motivated by obedience to God, pursuing God, bringing God glory, then we'll get the greatest reward of all, God himself and that presence. That walking with, with God as I continually set my feet towards that path. But Jesus is showing us, as he opens up the, the, this section, as we talk about it, showing us what the good life is and how it's worked out when we pursue God for God's sake. When I pursue God for God, not to impress others, some different things happen. And to form our imagination, to shape our imagination, to see what it looks like to follow down that path, Jesus gives us some really practical examples of what um, that looks like to shape us uh, um, this morning. But let's be clear before we even start. These are not things that you do to gain salvation, right? Like, if you pray more, it does not mean that you, you found salvation. If you um, give all that you have to, to the needy, that does not mean that you've gained your own salvation. That's completely opposite of what this whole section is about, actually. That salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone, and, and it's not something that you earn. That's why we call it grace. But the, these are things, these are ways that we see the, this desire, this love being acted out in our everyday, ordinary life with three things that, that are a part of our, of our lives, especially a part of the lives of the people he, he's talking to here. And so where I look at them like case studies, right? I remember um, case studies. How many of you have ever done case studies in school where like your peers bring something and, and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's really serious? And, and so look at these as, as case study style. So number one, case study, giving to the poor. Verse two, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, which would be a hilarious picture, right? As the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. They got what they, what they were looking for in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. 
so that your giving may be in secret, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, each of these uh, case studies has a pattern that I really appreciate. It goes like this. Here's the wrong way to do it, right? And here's the, the results that you'll get from the wrong way to do it. And here's the right way to do it, right? How awesome would it be if we had a lot more things like this, right? Like, here's the wrong way. Here's the result you'll get. And here's the, here's the right way. Here's what you should do differently. But we, as a follower of Jesus, we, we do it differently. So what's the, the wrong way to give? Give to the poor and the way that draws the attention to, to, to the giver. Give to get noticed. Give to get a reward, like the acknowledgement of, of others, like special attention, like seeing, hey, that guy's a good guy because he gave a, a, a giant eight-foot check to this, right? Or, or, or that lady, she's a good lady because she, she, she gave to this cause and her, her name's on the plaque. Like we get what, what, what we're looking for in those situations. We, we tend to get and to give publicly to earn the respect of others. And sometimes, and this is the hardest, maybe it's changed with the new tax laws, we give to get a tax break, right? Like I'm getting benefit for that. Um, I remember um, with the new tax law, that's been a conversation with, between preachers. Like, everybody's freaking out. Nobody will give because they don't get a tax break at the end of the year. And me, I want to say, well, if that's the reason we're giving, then we, we've got a bigger problem, right? That's, that's not what we're, why we're giving. We don't give so that we get something in return. But, but the results are, are here. The results of doing the wrong way is I get what I'm looking for. I'll get the thanks. I'll get the tax receipt. I'll get my name listed on the, on the brick wall of donors. But that's all. I'll get it, but that's it. I mean, that, that, that's all I'll get, and then we move on to the right way to do it. Jesus comes, and, and he, he lays it out. The right way to give to the poor, Jesus says, is to give in secret. Your giving should be in secret so that it couldn't possibly impress anybody else because they don't know. They didn't see it. Jesus says your giving should be in secret so your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing, that it's not about the approval of man. That, that, that this idea of giving is not something that we do so that others will look at us and we'll get that, that feeling of approval. Remember, Alan, everybody wants to be seen. This isn't one of those things. We don't, we don't give for that reason, but we give because God is leading us to places where we are more generous, right? We give because without a doubt, you can't do it. You can't read your Bible and, and not know that God cares for the poor. It's not possible. If it is, then you, we're going to check your Bible, right? Like we got to look at it. We got to do a tune-up or something. I don't know. But there, there, it's just not a possibility. We see that God's heart is one of extreme and extravagant generosity. In fact, I think that's one of our core values. Uh, we, will, we, we will give with this extravagant generosity because God has given so much to us. Uh, we've talked about this many, many times, but this is a, a, a tithing concept. Remember, we say the phrase, the church doesn't want your money, but God wants your heart. And, and that's what we believe about this. 
That's why it's, a, it's, it's not something that's, that's out there, that we do it so we can get a banner, or we do it so we can get something else. But we, we participate as God leads us because we know, and I don't know about you, but I know that if I'm following my money, my feet are not in the right direction. I'll do, go ahead and guarantee that. If, I'm, if, if that's what my desire is, and that's all it is, and that's all I want, then my feet are not in the right direction, and my grip is tight, and I cannot receive pretty much anything. I am focused on that, and I will not be focused on anything else. And so we see that Jesus has given us, and so we will be givers as well it's more than just following after people and seeking approval it's a god thing we're seeking after god's heart so god continue or jesus continues case study number two it's prayer verse five and when you pray don't be like the hypocrites for they love you hear that they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The wrong way to do it. Don't pray to impress other people. Uh, this is something that happens when we pray publicly, right? And as a preacher, I got to do that, right? I, even I go to my own family dinner. I try to pass it off on Steph, but usually it happens. And we got three preachers in our family, and sometimes I even have to pray there, right? It's, a, it's something that, that, that happens, and, 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 and there are times where we can slip into some modes um, that are unhealthy, and I say that for myself too, but it doesn't have to be... Um, you're, you're praying from the stage. It could be you're praying with your spouse, or it could be you're praying with your small group, or it can be whatever. There are times when we're, we're praying publicly that, that, that something happens, and I'll, and I'll confess this as well, that, that I start to use words, I start to say things that I would never, ever say in real life, like ever. I'd never say it in real life. But somehow it becomes a part of my prayer. Or, or even I've recognized this in my peers, right? So my generation loves to tear stuff down. And then we're really horrible about building it back up. Right? We just are. That's what we do. And so we're getting older now. So we're learning how to build stuff back up. But we love to point everything out. Every generation does. And say that that's awful and we're going to tear it down. And so what I watch my peers do in, in grad school is they, they tear everything down, especially this, like you use your D and your thou and your whatever, da, 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 da. And so we're going to go major chill when we pray. Like, yo, God, what up? <laughs> not any better, right? Like, not any better. So we see that, that it's one that, 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 that we don't pray to impress others, but this is something that, that, that happens in our lives, and so we fight that temptation. And so the results of doing the wrong way, when we pray to impress others, there are times where we impress others. I've never, I, the many a times it's happened, that was a beautiful prayer, especially to go pray for graduation or something. Well, awesome. That's great, right? We didn't do it to impress others, but if we do, we'll get what we're looking for in that moment, but our prayers are it. That's what we'll get. We'll get the praise from others, but the right way to do it, pray in secret. 
Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't pray aloud in public. He's saying that most of our prayer should take place in private. If the only time I pray is at the dinner table, then I've got a problem. Right. If the if the, the the only time I do that is is I'm is I'm doing it in public, it's going to be a hard to to not lean into that temptation to want to impress people with my awesome prayers. But my focus is not on impression. My focus on is on communication to God who, who loves me and desires relationship with me. And let's be honest here. There's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with prayer. Like, this is a struggling point in life. This is something that we have a hard time doing at times. If you struggle with prayer, welcome to the club. You're in good company, right? Our problem may not be that we're trying to impress people, but maybe our problem is that we're not doing it at all. So here we have Jesus who's instructing us, inviting us to pray in private. That, that this, is a, this is a matter that can be done in public, but it's a, a matter of the heart. It's done in, in private. One where I share my desires with God, where I don't have to do the, 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 the facade of being something that I'm not. And I don't have to do the, the fight against the man and be, yo, what up? But I can just be me. God wants you. God doesn't want, yo, what up? Or God doesn't want this or that. God wants you. He wants you and your hearts and just who you are. Don't worry about being fancy, just worrying about being you. God wants to hear from you. Case study number three, fasting. And some of you say, what's that? Well, let's read the verse first, right? When you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What is fasting? Christian fasting is a believer's voluntary abstinence from food for the spiritual purpose, right? And a normal human way to say that is we give up food so we can focus on Jesus, right? So we, we give up that desire that sometimes um, is bent, right? So there are good gifts that God has given us like food, like bacon, right? And there, there are good things that God has, has given us, but obviously we can, we're masters of this, by the way. We can take really, really good things and we can bend them to our own personal stuff, right? Like to our own personal desires. And so when we talk about fasting, right, we can take that opportunity to take something that maybe our feet are always set towards and redirect that towards God because that's where they need to be in the first place. Like, bacon's good, but it isn't, isn't that good, right? Donuts are great, but they're not that great. And so we see automatically that, that, that we have this opportunity to fast, but there's a wrong way to do it. Don't fast to impress others. The, the, the people of this time, the Jewish people would fast a couple times a year, and then the Pharisees would fast a couple times a week. Right, and so there's this temptation um, to 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 be reminded and to remind others that what I'm doing brings me closer to God, and, and so they would come to this place, and it turned into a performance art 
like it was a performance, like they had costumes where they dress in their sackcloths and ashes and their, their face would, it says it would be disfigured like they walk in like, oh, I have had food today, right? Like I'm, I'm just holy and, and I'm there and, and have pity on me because I'm doing the right thing, would you? Right? And so we see that temptation, and it may, again, not be dramatic as dramatic for us, but there are some subtle ways that we do things, and our relationship with God is tempted to, to, to make others feel less than or to make ourselves feel like we are holier than the people around us. And there's a result of doing it the wrong way. I guess you'll get noticed. Cool story, bro, right? Awesome. That, that's the result. But the right way to do it, clean yourself up. Focus on the point of the practice. Be more available to God. Again and again through these practices, which are really practical, not your, not your normal kind of thing we're rolling through today. This practical, everyday stuff reminds us again and again that our focus is not on getting more for ourselves, but our focus is on Jesus. And as we walk in this life with Jesus over and over again, as I begin to, to, to give and as I begin to pray and as I begin to fast, as I begin to, to focus more and more of my direction and more and more of my desire, I'll find that that life is the good life, not the opposite, where I'll take anything and everything to get people to like me or to follow me or to give me little hearts on that app or, or to do whatever it is to get more attention or more notoriety or more sales or, or more of whatever I think that, that I need. Yeah, the whole time I was going through this, I, I just kept thinking about how crazy it is that we can twist our own faith to, to gain the approval of others. Like, it really is fascinating. Like, we could, we could twist something that is ultimately not even about us to get approval for us, right? There's some of us uh, that, that have been uh, in the church for a long time, and if we're not careful, we can be the saved ones, and we can be the right ones, and everybody else is just not, and we can walk with that attitude. And if you think you're going to walk with that attitude and it's not going to shape the directionality of your life, good luck. That it does. And so we see that the desire of our, of our hearts is not to exclude. It's not to feel better than. It's not to, 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 to be right and, and others be wrong. It's not to be one that, that is politically aligned or, or whatever, you name it. But it's to know Jesus and to be seen by him, period. So all of these, all of these temptations, all of these other things, may, may they be pushed out, may they be crowded out by our desire to set our, our, our feet and our love right towards Jesus. But oh, how quickly I'll settle for something that's less than God's best. And maybe you too. How quickly that will settle, especially if we feel like things are good and they're going right. And we just got that feeling, you know, that feeling like, oh, I'm awesome. Right? Like everything's cool. You may never get that feeling. I get it all the time. Right? I'm just awesome. Sorry. 
Get a little crazy here. Banji probably should start coming up. Like, seriously, yeah. But no, I, we, we get this. No, I was serious, yeah, you can. <laughs> we get this, like, we get this feeling that everything's good and, and everything's right. And so I'll settle for what I have now, especially if I've got people noticing that I'm doing the right thing. Like, there's some of us, that, and, and myself included, that are addicted to the approval of others. Like, we just, we're, we're farmed that way. We're taught that way. Some of us are, are brought up that way. Our culture tells us that that is what, what is best. We will do many crazy things to please others and to approve, get approval of the others. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says this, People are trapped by their fear of others, but those who trust the Lord are secure. I don't know about you, but in my life, people-pleasing has brought me to some really hard and dark places. It's a trap. It's, it's, it's literally a, a, a trap. Seeking others' approval is like being on a treadmill and running and running and running, which is awful. I don't do that very often, but it's awful. But you never go anywhere. Like you run and you run and you run and you run and you never go anywhere. You maybe get a little carrot every once in a while, a little bit of approval, keep running. But you never go anywhere and it causes stress and anxiety and tension and letting the fear of others' opinions and, and desiring that feedback and and allowing people to just bully us into doing stuff that makes us miserable is not God's best. May we recognize that others cannot give us the good life that we want because it's not theirs to give. Our lives are not determined by others' approval as Jesus outlines again and again and again. But at the center of all this is a promise that God sees us. Each one of these things, God sees us. God notices us. God gives us the, the, this, the, this seeing and pronounces us worthy of God's care and concern. And, and it really matters. It's a reward. It is gift. It is good. And just like Alan the ski slope boy... We desire to be seen. The good life is one that pursues God for God and not to impress others. And so as we respond in worship today, may the Holy Spirit um, keep us and may, may the Holy Spirit help us direct our feet towards the God who loves us and desires to walk with us. This morning as we go, beloved children of God, May you get off the treadmill and know that you are seen and you are loved. May you go from this place with your feet set towards Jesus. Go in action and go in peace. Lord, just